Uh, and we've been in this series of the best question ever. We've been in the series of the best question ever being, what is the wise thing to do? And tonight, well, I want to talk about sort of just the pursuit of wisdom in general and why it is wise to pursue, pursue wisdom. And a term you've probably heard before is wise counsel, and that's basically what we're focusing in on and like why we would, fo- why we would seek wisdom. So the main point that I have is this, is that the wise thing to do is to seek wisdom from others. That the wise thing to do with your life is to seek wisdom from others. That in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, the wise thing for me to do is to ask others for help. Because I feel like when I was in your shoes and the shoes I am in today still, there are plenty of times when I don't know what to do. And that's what we're talking about tonight. It's like, what do you do when you don't know what to do? The reason why seeking wisdom, why it is wise to seek wisdom from others, is first and foremost because the wisest person that ever lived told us so. There is this dude named Solomon, and if you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs, for me it is on page... 448. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Solomon. Solomon was this dude that asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. God gave him wisdom that was beyond anybody in history, and to this day, he is the wisest man that ever lived. And so when he talks about wisdom, we can listen. And the whole book of Proverbs is basically about Solomon sharing what God put on his heart and what he learned through the wisdom that God gave him. And he, and, he, and he paints wisdom in this light in chapter 15, verse 22. He says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Or if you flip back to chapter 11 in Proverbs, he says it this way in verse 14. He says, for a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. So seeking wisdom matters because right from the beginning, we know that the wisest person ever told us so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that tonight, God, that your word, God, that your wisdom would speak through me. God, that we would be open, God, and encouraged to change and challenged to change. God, I pray that it would not be me up here, God, but you speaking through me. God, I pray that you would completely demonstrate, God, how powerful you are by doing a great work tonight. So seeking wisdom matters, or amen, but seeking wisdom matters. Um, and, and, and one of the ways that I like, you know, and my hope always when I'm up here is that I'm just very transparent with y'all. Um, because a big aspect of wisdom is that you would learn from other people's experiences. And so I'm going to share two examples in my life of wisdom when um, I either you know, did well in that regard or completely failed in that regard. Uh, because for me, I feel like this message is something that I've been preparing for all of my life. And it's something that I think God has been trying to teach me for like 26 years now is how to seek wise counsel, how to ask when you don't know who to ask. So the first example is this. I played football when I was in high school. I was, um, Fairly good at it. Um, I played football in middle school and in high school. And at first and foremost, I played football because I was terrible at baseball. Just awful at baseball. So bad, in fact, that <laughs> so bad, in fact, that I used to think that the reason why I didn't get onto All Stars 
And those of you who don't know what All-Stars are, it's, it's essentially for the kids that are good at baseball. I thought that my mom just didn't sign me up. I thought that I didn't get on to All-Stars because, like, you know, she had, she had slipped up. She forgot to pay, you know, the check or whatever. And so when my friends were on All-Stars, I was like, oh, yeah, like, my mom just didn't sign me up. But that's cool that your moms did. That's all awesome. And, of course, Vicky, who's in the room, my mom, is so nice that she would own it. She would be like, oh, yeah, honey, like, I'm sorry. That's my fault. That's on me. So that, like, I could, like, maintain my kid pride and be like, oh, yeah, like, I just, I'm not on All-Stars because, you know, my mom made a mistake. And so I had to play football because of that. Part two of, of, of the baseball scenario is that I have two fake teeth from when I caught a baseball in my mouth. I, I, I knocked my teeth out as a kid by catching a baseball mouth. So obviously, baseball was not the sport for me. It was, it was not the sport for me. Now, football was different. I'm a big guy. It came more naturally to be in a sport where big guys uh, tend to do better. Um, and unfortunately, though... Um, my skill set didn't necessarily still like just dominate. Like I didn't just enter into football and then the doors were open and I was suddenly good. No, I played, you know, third street and defensive end for most of my career. And it wasn't until an injury on a starting player on offensive line that a coach asked me, would I be willing to switch? And at first I'm very reluctant. I'm like, no, I don't want to, sh- you know, I don't want to switch positions. Offensive line is for kids that aren't good. Obviously I'm good. That's why you have me at third string. And so I'm not going to switch. But thankfully, Wisdom prevailed, and I, I decided that I would, and I got to start getting coached by Josh Corey, and he was this offensive line coach. You probably, some of y'all might be old enough to know who that is, um, but he had played football for the Gators. He was on SEC championship teams. He was a stud in offensive line, and so very quickly, I realized that because of his wisdom, if I would listen to it, I would get much better, and I did get much better. I started my junior and senior year. Our senior year, we went on to be undefeated. We were the first ever undefeated football team in Fletcher's history. We did lose the first round of the playoffs, but that's a story for a different time. But we did a lot better. Now, unfortunately, the cases of me being solid in this regard of of honoring wisdom are few and far between. And far more, in a way, there are examples like this other one, which was, and (laughs) I can truly laugh about it now, but it was horrible at the time. Uh, my first romance, my first great romance in high school was a girl that I dated uh, for a little over a year. And um, it was the classic, and, and this is meant to be slightly offensive here, the classic high school relationship. It began on Valentine's Day. I bought her a gift and asked her out in the same day. Uh, we went to a dinner that night where I gave her more gifts. We had month anniversaries where I hand-wrote, car- hand-wrote cards that I decorated myself, multiple flowers throughout the week, just a complete throw-up of awful love is what it was. Thank you, thank you. A romantic at age of 16. Um, I even, I mean, this is a sidebar. I wasn't even planning to say this. Like, I got a job to pay for the relationship. That's how much I, like, wanted to just, like, give to her. And as embarrassing as it is, Publix, that's where I work, they had, they had a track that told you how much money you had made, like, over the total time of your employment. And I had made... $2,400, and my bank account grew zero. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about my, my lack of wisdom in relationships, especially heightened by the fact that a few months in, uh, she came to me and said that, hey, like, I need to tell you something, and she let me know that she had cheated on me. Um, and yeah, you know, all is fine at the time, but unfortunately, all is not what I felt. Uh, all, was, uh, all was for myself. I 
I apologized to her in the moment. I was like, hey, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I must have been not, like, treating you well enough. That's why this happened. It's my fault. And, like, I owned it because I, like, I knew that I had to save this relationship for some reason. Even though, all the while, I had people in my life that were trying to speak otherwise. People who I trusted. Wise people in my life were like, hey, you should just not be in this relationship. And they would say it point blank. And every single time I would defend her, like, no, you don't know her like I do. You don't, you don't experience what we experience in our conversations. And it's just, she's, she's different than you, you can experience or than you know. And so uh, I'd like to say that after hearing all of their words that I, um, you know, gained enough self-confidence to end the relationship, but I didn't. Um, and the relationship went on for a lot longer of Multiple times of her cheating on me and multiple times of me saying that I'm sorry and just, it's like embarrassing to admit that right now, but just on a sidebar, don't let that be you. If, if they cheat on you once, it's just, you're done. It's over. Don't let it happen. But what I want to talk about, as I said, is that seeking wisdom matters and that in those two circumstances, I either sought it well or I sought it not well. And our goal obviously would be to seek it well. Seeking wisdom matters, like I said, because Solomon said so. But one of the things I want to really stress is that seeking wisdom matters, but especially more so, it matters who we seek it from. Who are our sources for wisdom? If you want to open up to 1 Kings, 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. And a little bit of backstory while you're turning there, we're going to 1 Kings chapter 12. Is there's this dude named Rehoboam. Everybody say Rehoboam. So Rehoboam becomes king of Israel. He is Solomon's son. Solomon is the guy we just talked about, wisest man ever live. This is now his son. And Rehoboam, in this story, goes to this town called Shechem. Say Shechem. And he's getting kind of sworn in as king. And while, the, while or after that kind of ceremony happens, an enemy or kind of somebody that his dad had been mean to comes and talks to Rehoboam. And his name is Jehoboam. Can y'all say Jehoboam. So those are, those are kind of the, 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 the nouns you're going to see as we go through this. And so I don't want you to get confused with the names. But I'm going to read here in chapter 12 this story of Rehoboam and why it matters on who we seek wisdom from. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nibet, heard this, he returned from Egypt. He had been in exile because Solomon had put him there. So now he's coming back because Solomon's gone. So they set up for, or they sent up for Jeroboam, and he had the whole assembly of Israel. He and the whole assembly of Israel went to, Je- went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. They're asking for a break. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days, and then come back to me. So the people went away. Which I want to point out, like, it's a great first step in wisdom. Rehoboam, or Rehoboam saying, you know, I'm not ready to answer that question. Let me go to some people to ask about this question. So come back in three days. So verse 6. Then the king, Rehoboam, consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. And he asked them, how would you advise me to answer these people? They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer they will always be your servants. They're telling him to lighten the load, to honor what they're, what they're requesting. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, and, he, or, and the elders he gave him, and consulted with the young men who he had grown up with and were serving him. 
So he asked them, the young people, he said, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke for your father or that your father put on us? Verse 10, the young men who had grown up with him replied, the people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, but I'm going to scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, come back to me in three days. And the king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men instead and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make your yoke even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebit, through the uh, Ahijah, uh, a Shilonite. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to him, they answered the king, Where, uh, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look to your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. So you have Rehoboam, and in this situation, and what we're talking about is is being careful on who we seek wisdom from. Rehoboam is a new king, and he has these people that had served his father, and he has his first dilemma. He says, okay, what should I do in this situation? And he asks these people who have probably been through a lot of circumstances and a lot of times in their life and under his father's regime that they had to answer similar questions and difficult questions. And their advice is, yes, you should lighten their load. But Rehoboam doesn't like this response. He, you know, he doesn't want to lighten their load. He doesn't want to seem weak maybe or, or whatever his reasoning is. He doesn't like their answer. And so instead, he goes to some yes men. He goes to people in his life who he knows will give him a favorable answer. And the way I see it is like this, and this is not intended to be offensive, but like you as students aren't wise. I'm, I'm not even wise, and I'm much older, but like I'm in the process of at least getting more wise, but there's just... The reason being is you just haven't experienced enough life. There's, there's so many things that you haven't had to go through that you can't have wisdom yet. Wisdom certainly can be gained from other people's experience. And like, yes, you can honor what people have hap- what's happened in their lives and, and become wise by steering away from it. But in a lot of ways, like what you've experienced isn't enough to handle the things that you're kind of forced into. As I said earlier, like half of my job is working for you guys. And in that half, one of the things that we do each week is we pray over all the cars that y'all turn in up front in, this, in the response box. And there are so many things that y'all are dealing with as students that I wouldn't want to handle right now as an adult. And there are so many things that y'all are going through that, that pain me to know that y'all are going through and, and, and pain me to think that why would y'all ever try to do those things alone? Or worse yet, why would, you, why would you try to go to somebody else who's your age? If you're ill-equipped to handle it, what makes the person to your right equipped to handle it? And so first and, you know, and, first and foremost, I just want to point out that we've got to be careful who we actually seek wisdom from. Because somebody that cares about you, somebody that actually cares about you, their answer is probably not always going to be what you want to hear. God often sets up restrictions in our lives, or, or his plan works differently than we wanted. But because he's a great father, a good father who cares for us, we can trust that if it goes outside of what I wanted, it's probably still better for me than what I got it, or what I hoped to have received. 
And so for me, the tension lies in this, and this is probably the most practical part of tonight, is that I think that for you guys, every single day, there are a host of times when you seek wisdom, possibly without even realizing it, that you are doing this, that you are seeking wisdom from wise counsel. And I think of, you know, very light ways where, you know, oh, I'm hungry, where should I eat? And somebody picks a lunch spot and you go and eat there. Or I need a cute dress for prom, where should I go? And they're like, oh, I saw this one at Forever 21, it's terrific, you should go there. And you ask questions for things that you don't know, but the thing that is so ridiculous to me is that you're unwilling to ask questions about the things that matter. You're unwilling to ask questions about the things that have tremendous weight, things that are maybe more difficult to, to share. You know, oh, uh, I can't talk about what I do on a Friday night, or I can't talk about what I do in front of the computer screen, because then they're going to know what I do on a Friday night and in front of a computer screen. And we, we hold these things to ourselves, and we assume that, you know, I can get through this. If I can just, if I can handle this on my own, then no one has to know. But that's just, it's an incomplete thought. It's, it's, it's only a half-truth that possibly the enemy is trying to convince you of because the truth is that private decisions always affect the public. Always affect the public. I've lived long enough to know that nothing exists within a vacuum in my life. I can't encourage sin. I can't encourage lust. I can't encourage temptations in my life and not see ramifications elsewhere. I can't, like I said, I can't do something in front of the computer screen and then go have a normal conversation with somebody and not be in some way shaped by it. And so we can't allow ourselves to think that I can handle this on my own because we can't. And we can't allow ourselves to think that I'm just going to get rid of this on my own so that no one else has to know because we can't. Private decisions always affect the public. For me... The way that this showed up the most so far has been in relationships. And so, as I said earlier, with my first girlfriend, it was a year and a half long, and about a year of that was all of that crap. Um, and at no point did I ever get strong enough or encouraged enough or rally on my own resolve to say, I can be done with this because it's just not good for me. And I can be done with this because I have people in my life who are telling me to be done with it. And I'm going to honor what they are saying to me. And unfortunately, the, the, the way that it concluded, the way that it finally ended with her and I, is I basically got sad enough. I got so empty of my own value that I decided that, like, I just can't be in this anymore because I, I, I hate it. I hate, like, I just, I, I feel less than being in this. And so there was never this point of me triumphing out of that. I crawled out of that. And there was a lot of years from that that I'm still, you know, like dealing with and, and, and the ramifications of all that. Because I believed at the time that my situation was different. I told you all that, like, as people came to me with wisdom and said, she's, you know, she's horrible. I'm like, no, she's not. She's really bad. I'm like, no, she's really good. And, and, and I thought that my situation was different. Last week when Ryan was talking, he put it really, really well and funny when he just talked about, like, you're not, this is not offensive, you're not unique in, like, your feelings. It's not, like, you're not the first person 
to believe that your girlfriend or boyfriend is hot or fine or good looking. You're not the first person to feel the intensity of your love for the person that you feel the intensity of your love for. And that in the adults in this room, I'm sure that all of them can nod in ways where they made decisions out of a lack of experience because they thought that their situation was unique, that, oh, this is what it is true for me. They, they, you know, they're bothering with the same thing or different things over there, like what we have is different. And it's just not true. Wisdom is greater than experience, that we would honor what other people have gone through and not feel like we have to go through the same thing to, to arrive to the same point, that we could, you know, if, if I see somebody ahead on the sidewalk trip and fall because of a crater that's in it, I might just get off the sidewalk and walk around the crater. But instead, we, we, we continue down the same path and expect a different result. An analogy I've used before is like if you go to a Mexican restaurant and they hand you the plate, they say, be careful, it's hot. Our first reaction is always to test the plate, to touch the plate and say, oh, wow, that is hot. Wow. And what a surprise. You know, like obviously we could trust that he has wisdom about the plate. He has wisdom about the heat of the plate. And that when he sets it down in front of us, we can say, oh, yeah, I bet he's right. I'm not going to touch the plate. And it's funny when it's things like touching a hot plate or imagining a crater in a sidewalk, but it's not funny when we talk about these heavy things that, we're, that we pray over every single week that y'all are dealing with, understand that there are adults in this room whose greatest desire would, see, would be for you to avoid the same mistakes that they have. And that in seeking wise counsel, that's one of the primary ways that it happens, is that you ask for advice on situations, and people who have gone through similar situations can speak from their expertise on it, having gone through it. I think of things that y'all are dealing with, like the loss of loved ones, or illnesses within families, or boundaries within relationships, and all these things that you put yourself on an island, and you don't believe that you have anybody you could turn to, and your life group leaders, and, and the people in your life, and your parents are pleading that you would turn to them. You know, some of y'all are going through parents that are getting divorced. There are adults in this room that are children of divorce who can help you go through what you're going through because they went through it themselves. The dating story for me, like I said, just ended horribly. And all the while, my life group was trying to save me from it. And when I hit that rock bottom, when I finally got rid of it, I came back to my life group and I just began to to pour myself out there and, and share with how I was doing and share my heart. And so quickly... God just entered into that situation and began to restore and rebuild me. And these relationships that I had with my life group, they were like, yes, like, Cole, we've been waiting for you to finally, like, come back and to be open and be here. And part of tonight, as Ryan mentioned, is that for some of y'all, you got to get reinvested in your life group. That you're not on an island because you have peers around you that are struggling with the same thing. And you have adults in this room that want to help you. And it's not a situation of like, oh, my leader is so high and above me, I can't ever go to them. Like, one of the coolest things I've seen is that I'm a life group leader of college guys, and two of my college guys are Christian and Jacob, and they lead seventh grade boys. And every single week in our college life group, I get to hear from them about how their seventh grade boys are stirring and spurring them towards Christ. And so what you have to understand as well is that life group is not... It doesn't exist, like, even just for you. Like, there is a community that's happening there that's alive and growing that you get to be a part of if you're willing to invest and be a part of it. And so for some of y'all, y'all need to hear that, is that if you 
had a bad experience, give it a second chance. If you've never been in one, give it a first chance. If, if you feel like it's just you're not getting anything out of it, like reaffirm your, your, your participation in the group. You can't get out of something what you're not putting there. And what I began to see and what I now experience in my life groups today is that the willing, or my willingness to be open with the areas in my life that I'm struggling with, God does such a faster work to correct those areas. And when I talked about that private decisions have public consequences, like now all these private decisions that I make that I get to share publicly with my life group, the consequences are so diminished because I go to them quickly. I go to a group of Christ followers who would help point me back to God. And so it, it, it just matters to seek wisdom. The reason why it matters to seek wisdom also is that your best you happens through others. Your best you happens through others. I mentioned earlier the story of me playing football. And Coach Corey took me under his wing, and he, he put me in the shoots. He put me down in stances. He gave me workouts. He gave me tape. He would go over game film with me and talk about the ways that I can improve. And I improved dramatically. Like I said, our senior year, we went undefeated. And at the end of our senior year, we had this awards banquet. And it's an, <laughs> I actually still have it hidden because I've been so embarrassed by this award that I received. And I don't mean this to hurt anybody's feelings who've got a similar award. But at the end of the year, I got most improved player. And for me, the reason why it was embarrassing, because all it said to me was like, Cole, you were so bad for so long. And we were not sure that you were ever going to be good. But thankfully, you turned it around and you became very good. And, you know, it is funny because, like, yeah, I was bad at football. I was not good for a while, and then I got much better. But my, my best self, my best football-playing self, existed because of the wisdom of others and existed because of the instruction from others and me seeking their guidance in my life. And it wouldn't have happened had I not done that. Now, like I said, I, I mean, I was good at football. I wasn't great. You know, I didn't finish that season and have all these Division One offers by any means. You know, despite, again, what my, my mom might say, like I would, did not have the opportunity to play football at the University of Florida. That was not on the table, no matter how she might describe it to family and friends when we were at dinner parties and things like that. It was never an option, Mom. It was never an option. But I got most improved player. And I know that my best self happened because of the wisdom that was imparted to me from somebody who had experienced the same things I experienced. And so my challenge to all of y'all tonight is that you would be seekers of wisdom in your lives. There are adults, there are parents, there are people in your life who have either gone through what you're going through or want to walk through it with you together, and that you would be willing to seek wisdom in those moments, especially when we don't know what to do. 90% of your responses to questions that I ask you just when we're hanging out is, I don't know. I could ask you what you had for lunch today, and you'd go, I don't know. I could ask you what you're going to do tomorrow, and you'd say, I don't know. I could ask you what you learned in school today, school today and I would say, I don't, you would say, I don't know. And so it pains me to see how many times we use this phrase, I don't know, and that we're not willing to do anything about it, to learn or to, or to seek the answer out. And so tonight I want to look at... I want to look at Ben's story. Ben Harrell, who was just up here leading worship, he had a time in his life when he was seeking wisdom 
over a situation that he wasn't sure of how to handle. And as the video is playing, if the band wants to come back up on stage, but take a look at Ben's story of what seeking wisdom looks like. So one of my favorite things about Ben's story is this word that I want to throw out. It's just courage. He took this idea, this thought that he had in his head of, you know, I think that the typical college experience is not for me. And something like, as a high schooler, I can't imagine a more daunting question and a harder topic to face against family and peers of, yeah, I just don't think I should go to college. And, and I'm not saying that all of you have to go to college, but like, if he had so many people in his life that were trying to challenge him to go, how hard that was for him to stay true to what he felt like God was calling him to and to seek wise counsel and to honor that. And my greatest fear is that in our room tonight and in this series is that we would believe that wisdom just means acknowledgement. That I just am called to look at my life and go, yeah, okay, that's probably the wise thing I should do, but I'm going to keep walking this way instead. And that instead of of just pointing out areas in our life that we see are either wise or unwise, that we would be courageous enough and willing to actually step towards them. To actually take steps tonight. Be courageous tonight in what God would be calling you to to do. So as I mentioned, some of y'all for tonight, that might mean that you need to get in a life group for the first time. And if that's you, you can do that in the back. Ryan will be back there. For some of you, it means getting reaffirmed in your life group. It means you just getting empowered and excited about it all over again. Maybe giving it a second try if you've been burned by a previous group. But for a lot of you, I also have this thought. And my fear is this. That you genuinely feel like you have no one to turn to. That you genuinely feel like what I'm dealing with, no one could handle. Or what I'm dealing with is so unique to me that why would anybody have any equipment to help me with it or, or have any wisdom on the subject? And it's just not true. You do have people around you, but you also have Christ. You also have God. And so I want to give the opportunity for those of you who are in here who maybe never come to that decision, never come to that confidence in God and want that point of wisdom in in just truth to be spoken into you through him. One of the things it talks about in the Bible that happens when we join in life with God is that he gives us his Holy Spirit. It's a term that is, for a long time, was very strange to me. I had no idea what the Holy Spirit was or what it meant. But one of my favorite accounts in scripture is when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit arriving for us. And he refers to it as the helper. And that God's greatest desire is to give you that helper, that helper in your life to turn to. You can almost think of of the Holy Spirit as being just a source of wisdom that lives within you, a source of godliness that lives within you that's guiding you towards wisdom. And so even if you feel like you have no one to turn to, you can turn to God. And so right now, as everybody closes their eyes and bows their heads, I can't talk about wise counsel and not talk about the counsel that I found in Christ. And so if that's you, if that's you, I want you to be courageous enough and bold enough right now to raise your hand. To say that I know that God is for me. I know that I need his counsel. I know that I need his influence. I know that I need him in my life. 
And if that's you, if you would be willing to be that bold right now and to follow through in what you know is the wise decision for you, I want you to pray this. Heavenly Father, God, I ask for your forgiveness, God. I claim you, God, as as my Savior. God, I claim you, Father, as my helper. God, and I give my life to you from this day forward. God, do a great work in me and let me be willing to follow and courageously follow what you're calling me to. Amen. And for the rest of you out there, there are courageous steps that all of you can take. If, if right now you're, you're getting a turn in your stomach and you know that God's calling you to do business with him up here on the altar, then in these last songs, come up here and, and, and pour out the crap that you feel like you have to hold yourself here. If it's reestablishing a relationship with a life group leader or re-upping on, on a conversation that you left off details because you didn't want them to know exactly what you were going through, like finish that conversation, finish the drill. Get coffee this week. Get lunch this week. Set it up right now. Don't let yourself just acknowledge the steps that you need to take. Actually follow through with them. Actually follow through on wisdom in your life.